Hey, welcome to Food in the Field. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. This is the College Football Podcast about all of college football. I am joined by the next president of Brazil, Ryan. Ryan, uh, congratulations on your, your victory in, uh, in the national election in Brazil. Thank you. Thank you. They are calling me uh, the tropical Urban Meyer. That's that's the new word. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, hearing a lot of stuff about this going on. Nothing to be done about, it, unfortunately. I've um, I've absconded with with the throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, I now sit as the presiding king of Brazil. Yeah. Um, and, and all my friends are happy for me. Yeah. People actually don't realize that. But if you win, a, if you win an election by a certain percentage, you do get to become the monarch and then your family will rule for for generations to come it's just about you know they just don't have the killer instinct most politicians don't have the killer instinct to win by that large of a margin and that's what you've done here and we're all very proud of you um we've got a college football slate to talk about here uh we're gonna probably not really even try to keep this one to 30 minutes because there's some news not related to on the field stuff that we are going to talk about here at the top but before we do any of that i'm going to sell you some stuff first up meet at midfield.com it's got the message board. It's got the posts. It's got the premium podcasts. It's uh, it's everything that you could want in a website and more. It's the only thing that you could want in a website. If you want anything else from a website, you are wrong. It is a personal failing. Uh, we have everything that you need. Um, right. The message. If, if you board, don't like our website, go to therapy, dude. Yeah, that's your problem. If you don't want to pay us thirteen dollars a month, twelve ninety nine even a month for premium podcast episodes, for premium posts for the the best college football message board on the internet the only college football message board on the internet um it was it was popping yesterday it is popping again today on sunday afternoon um if you don't want to pay for that that's your problem you need to take that up with god it's not our fault that's uh it's mm-hmm. it's a personal failing that you have to look into yeah but speaking of we are working on a collab with god right now yeah um we are opening a football confessional i believe we're going to start doing uh-huh. um you can pay a certain amount of uh money call it an indulgence maybe <laughs> yeah um to to confess your worst football opinions to to one of our staff members uh through a screen and we will um Mm-hmm. We will either absolve you of your sin to say, hey, it's not a big deal. It was just, you know, you didn't mean it. Uh, or maybe give you a penance to perform. Yeah. Um, perhaps require a monetary donation to to our efforts, to <laughs> the political campaigns of certain South American uh, uh, politicians. Yeah. We'll work it on the details. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I, I believe there's a phrase for, for paid confessionals. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that they just call them paid confessionals. So, yeah, we are going to be offering. They are. Yeah. yeah uh, well, and, as uh, you know, we are not exactly fond of Martin Luther on this website. That is one of the biggest things about course. us. People should know, too, is we are we are an anti-Martin Luther college football website. Yeah, just yeah, just <laughs> people. People don't they don't realize that, but yeah, that is true. Ninety nine um, theses. How about you keep it to a top twenty five? Huh? Yeah. What do you think about Chuck Martin Luther Burden? <laughs> is that is that anything for you? <laughs> That's, uh, I'm, I'm I'm in on that. Um, yeah. Why don't you keep it to a top twenty five? Yeah. That's that's way too. You're getting. You're, come on, come on. There can't really be ninety five of the what, damn. Why don't you give me your theses hot board, dude? Let's, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's cut it. Down I don't, just a little. I bit. don't need every candidate for the job, dude. I just <laughs> highlighting the whole thing. Cut this down in all caps. Just returning it to it. Too long. <laughs> uh, just highlighting sections like you know eighty one through ninety four. Like, what are you trying to do here? This seems yeah. repetitive. Yeah, you're just saying the same shit over and over again. Cut it down. Like <laughs> the question marks over and over again. <laughs> what does this even mean, brother? <laughs> god oh, man i am i am redlining this shit out of, uh, yeah. <laughs> out of martin luther's works yeah um 
Well, speaking of Martin Luther um, and, and, you know, kind of other drunk ne- Neanderthals, um, Wisconsin has fired its head coach, Patrick. It has. Paul Christ is out. Yeah. Uh, after a two and three start here, Wisconsin, uh, following a, a really not even close loss to Illinois, uh, which is doing the exact same thing that Wisconsin uh, used to do, once did, uh, back before Paul Christ became the head coach and really made himself comfortable. Um, Illinois just ran the shit out of the ball and, and played defense and, and really kind of beat the hell out of them for 60 minutes, and Wisconsin has responded in turn by firing Paul Christ. Um, we did not think they were actually going to do this. I think we both agree. We we have talked on the show about we don't like Paul Christ. We don't think he's a very good coach. And we both agree that this yeah. was needed. But holy shit, they actually, they actually did it. They did it after five goddamn games. He never had a losing season, and they still fired his ass. That's uh, that rocks. Good for them. <laughs> good for them. That's that's killer instinct right there. It's it's absolutely it's the kind of thing you need to have to be great, right? Like yeah. say what you want about Wisconsin, they are not scared of being great. Like. Barry, here's the thing about Barry Alvarez, and we all make fun of him a lot. And and by the way, one of the first things I did think when they fired Paul Christ is like, how hard was it for Barry to not name himself the interim? You yeah. know, he wanted to do it so bad. Well, he's uh, he's gone, but, isn't he? Didn't Barry retire? Uh, no, he still has an informal role, right? He's still like, an, I, I don't he, think he's like he might have an the in, strings. Yeah, he might have an informal role, but he is not the athletic director anymore. I don't even know who it is, but they're uh, they're certified, they're stamped. Um, <laughs> you get the uh, they get the flipping the field stamp of approval for doing this because goddamn, Wisconsin has never done this. There's no history of Wisconsin doing this. This does not exist in modern Wisconsin. They uh, saw yeah, the, they saw the new AD. By the way, is Chris McIntosh. Chris Mas- Okay, it's Chris McIntosh. So uh, Chris McIntosh saw decline within the program. I think correctly over the last couple of years, and rather than waiting on it really bottoming yeah. out, waiting on the team settling into like a consistent seven and five, eight and four, he said, "Fuck this, moved on." That's uh, that's yeah, exactly. And, and that's and that's what we vouch for on here. Yeah, I know Barry isn't there anymore, but but I will say that like the institutional memory of basically his rise there to Wisconsin is a point that like they remember what it was like to suck. Like they know what it was like to be a bad program and realize how precipitous it is. Like they've seen what happened to their league mate in Nebraska, right? Like it's, it's very easy to become terrible to big 10 West. If you lose momentum, it can happen to anybody at any point in time. And like, they are terrified of that and they want to keep doing what they've been doing, which is, pretty consistently playing for conference championships, having top 10 to 15 seasons and playing in Rose Bowls. Mm-hmm. And they know they're capable of doing it and they should be capable of doing it. And Paul Chris is not moving back towards that direction. Um, it's the right move. People are going to say it's a quick trigger, but I think it was correct. I mean, yeah. he had what? It was like a nearly, uh, nearly uh, like three, he won almost three quarters of his games at Wisconsin. It's like a 0.723 winning percentage uh, during his time with the Badgers, which is nuts. Um, like, but it was the right call still, yeah. right? We agree on that? Yeah, they were not They were not going to get to the place. If their goal is to compete for and win Big Ten championships, to continuously win the Big Ten West, which is not going to exist moving forward, so to compete in the Big Ten, which is something we need to keep in mind here. Um, that's the goal, and they uh, it seemed like a, they're pretty committed to it, and they recognized, I think correctly, that Paul Christ is not going to get them there in any in any form. He there's It's not a... A case of well, he's just having a couple down years. He'll get it back going. No, it's obviously that he he is not. It's obvious he's not going to do that. It's obvious that he has shown his peak, that he was not going to get back to that place. That the best they were going to do was consistently about eight and four at best. Um, and yeah. they, they. And by moved. the way, we should point, we should point out Paul Chris. These last few years under under Texas A&M is or sorry under under what I was going to say is 
Wisconsin under Paul Chris is just a less annoying Texas A&M. Yeah, yeah, the 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 triumvirate of them, Iowa and Texas A&M, very similar programs in the <laughs> except for just Texas A&M has five stars for some reason. Um, but yeah, I I uh, I think that this is absolutely Wisconsin recognizing which way the winds are blowing and recognizing that things were not going to turn around here and that if they want to compete in the Big Ten as they suddenly become lumped into the conference, not with Minnesota, with Iowa, with Nebraska, with teams like that, but with Ohio State and Michigan and now USC and UCLA and Penn State and the teams that are going to be competing, expected to be competing and actually competing for championships every year in this conference. Um, Wisconsin recognized that it was not going to be among that group with Paul Christ and, and that it didn't see a point in doing that. Um, there's not a reason to wait around if you if you think that, if you have the money, which everybody does because money is not real in this sport, um, then, yeah, do it. It's not, He's not going to turn it back around. If there is a coach who you do not have confidence in turning it back around, there's no reason to wait. Just do it, and they did. Um, Jim Leonard, now the interim head coach here at Wisconsin, we are going to talk in much more detail about this job, about who we think might make sense here, um, about kind of who our immediate guys who come to mind are, uh, breaking down that list, breaking down some of the lists that national guys put out. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a lot more detail on Mm-hmm. The premium show, which you can get only if you are subscribed to Meet at Midfield, uh, as well as the vacancy at Colorado, which we're only going to mention briefly yes. here as far and I believe as there we, is one. Um, we are also uh, talking about the vacancy in Brazil in the premium, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that you're filling, of course. Uh, and it yes. will be your final episode as you become the president of Brazil, <laughs> the president and king of Brazil. Um, Correct. But uh, yeah, we will get to all of that on the premium show. Uh, before we jump into recapping this week here, I will also mention if you are a Wisconsin fan who is uh, looking to celebrate the end of this uh, the, this 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 dictator's reign, the ousting mm-hmm. of Paul Christ, uh, you could even say the crucifixion of Paul Christ, um, you can celebrate by going to homefieldapparel.com and going to the vintage Wisconsin Badger, Badgers apparel collection. It's 15 products. Uh, it's fucking good. It, these oh, are look at these, this. Look at this business genius doing his shit right here. You guys see, see how smooth this is. Keep going, Patrick. These these things are fantastic. There's a 1977 hockey national championship shirt. You got a jump around shirt. You've got a great looking sweatshirt. You've got a Rose Bowl shirt. I mean, this if you if you are a Wisconsin fan who is you're feeling it right now. You're taking a heat check. You know, you, you, you just pulled up from 35 and you knocked it down. You got some money to burn. Maybe you also are getting paid a buyout. I don't know how it works out there because they own, you know, mm-hmm. the fans own the Packers. And so I'm going to assume that right. the fans also own Wisconsin football. So maybe you're going to get a little bit of this buyout as well. Uh, you can spend your Wisconsin football stipend on Wisconsin apparel, really good Wisconsin apparel at homefieldapparel.com. And if you use the code meet at midfield, you can get 15% off your first order. And that, I mean, right now, Wisconsin, maybe it's going to be penny. Maybe it's going to be pension pennies. You want to give the, uh, you want to give yourself the best chance you have to go out and get a new coach. They want to give him as much money as they possibly can. You need to save 15% on your shirts. You need to do it. And you right. need to use the code meet at midfield to do it. And it'll get you 15% off your first purchase. Ryan, you want to talk about this week of college football? Yeah, let's get into it. Um, I am wearing a home field of power shirt right now as we're podcasting. Let's go. I'm actually wearing, I'm actually wearing two to three of them at the same yeah. time. I, I can't, I can't remember. They've kind of, uh, 
they've been in my body for so long they've kind of fused together i yeah. refuse to take them off yeah um women will ask me please take off the home field apparel shirt and i say no it's not coming off no i'm not i'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to we're not going to that's not a deal that we're going to be making anytime soon it's it's, <laughs> it's bad business uh too the late. deal we are making is 30 minutes of beautiful college football talk Patrick, Thir- on the right 30 now. is so generous 30 is such a generous way to describe the amount of minutes that we're about to do here um <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do our best but we will we will see about that tulane 27 Houston 24 on Friday night I want to say um yep. Houston man it's just bad it, it they have uh the, the the team is is really really poorly disciplined they do not they don't tackle well the pursuit angles are bad there are too many penalties too many mistakes the offense looks stilted and not very well designed there's no creativity much that they're doing they lost Derek Parrish for the year um it's bad I think that Dana has sort of lost control of the situation here uh, yeah, hundred percent. It's not happening for him at all here. Um, also Tulane in their third consecutive one score game gone two and one so far, but a uh, certain points, I'm going to start building a little margin here, guys. I don't think you're going to keep any one score games every weekend, but, uh, uh, credit them for doing it so far. Right. I mean, if they're yeah. one of the success stories of the season, I know Houston has been one of the biggest disappointments of the year for us. Uh, and we are justified in, in being angry at them because we propped them up so heavily and they have embarrassed us in public. Yeah. It's humiliating uh, which, guys. Uh, Come on. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, Tulane, I mean, four and one so far in the year, uh, a win at a top 25 team on the road in Kansas state. Um, they have a pretty big showdown coming in two weeks, I believe against Memphis. I'm looking forward to, yeah. um, this should be really fun. So yeah, yeah. yeah. good for them. Um, Won it with a backup quarterback as well in, uh, in Kai Horton. So that's, that's not easy to do. Good for them. Yeah. Um, Boise- how about it's, uh, how about it's Kai Horton Tucker and he, uh, he also plays for the Lakers. Okay. Uh, Boise state 35, San Diego state 13. I believe that San Diego state fired its head coach or not its head coach. It's offensive coordinator offensive after coordinator. this game. Yeah. Uh, so both teams involved in this game have now fired their offensive coordinators. Um, not a ton from this one. Tylen green quarterback for Boise state. Uh, not, not a whole lot going on there from from what I saw, but Boise State ran the ball a lot better than I expected them to, and kind of came back from behind in the with a uh, a barrage of points to win this one. Um, I think both of these teams are pretty bad. I think I think that there's not a whole lot going on for for either of these teams. Yeah, it just in general too, the Mountain West brutal season. Like yeah, these guys all suck. I I don't think we're I don't think I have the Air Force game on here, but like Air Force barely being a pretty bad Navy team. Yeah, pathetic uh just all around let's let's grow yeah. up let's just grow up a little bit and get better again guys like like this is like this is the time to be good right now you have a chance like a real opportunity here with uh like ever the league in the country falling apart and reshifting and everyone you guys are just being okay yeah uh don't fuck it up yeah yeah we we're gonna talk about the fresno state game in a little bit but just elsewhere in the mountain west briefly i'll mention utah state 26 BYU 38. Um, Utah State's getting better. I'm going to say that much. Utah State's getting better, and somebody's going to have to win the Mountain West. Couldn't Mountain. have gotten worse. Yeah, couldn't have gotten much worse. They are. Uh, <laughs> they have. They have turned the reins over to Cooper Lagat, quarterback, after Logan Bonner suffered a uh, season-ending foot injury. Um, and Cooper Lagat can run, which means that the offense works because he can extend the plays and allow wide receivers the 10 seconds that they need to get open. Because apparently yeah. they need 10 goddamn seconds to get open. And and what happened, by the way, I believe you. I don't believe you report on this, but I was hearing it through back channels associated with you. Is that I believe Logan Bonner did have that foot injury via a toe sucking related incident, correct? Was, uh, 
no comment. No comment. Um, and then I'll mention also in the West, UNLV 31, New Mexico 20, and then San Jose State beat Wyoming. Um, UNLV and San Jose State are your favorites in the West right now, and that is very mm. funny. Delightful. That's troubling. Del- yeah. <laughs> very, very funny. Very funny situation there. Um, All right, staying out west, UCLA 40, Washington 32, not as close as the final score indicated here. Um, UCLA just just manned them up and beat them. Uh, Created individual matchups here, created one-on-one situations on offense, a lot of them, and won them. Um, And then defensively, just sent three or four guys, dropped a bunch into coverage, and gave Washington fits up front for a lot of this game. In the second half, Washington adjusted and started kind of taking what it was given underneath, but uh, especially in the first half here, UCLA was just much better, just a much better team. Yeah, I mean, they, they entered the fourth quarter up 40-16 to 16 here. Uh, it seems like Zach Charbonnet finally got back into his groove over these last couple of weeks. I, I know his like early season stats weren't terrible, but he wasn't looking like the same guy he was last season. I think he started to kind of find his fielding a lot better right now. He's, he's seen the hole in a better way. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really good as a receiver this game, too. He had 56 yards uh, uh, through the air. Um, Charbonnet, uh, really impressed me. Dorian Thompson Robinson, of course, was brilliant, uh, kind of for four of their touchdowns. Um, just overall a great game, right? Like these guys look really good. Yep. Um, huge moment for UCLA too. I, I know we talked to them last week as like the most under discussed undefeated team, but they are now uh five and oh with a win against a ranked football team and a really good South Alabama team as well. That like, I think a dog for that game. South Alabama is one of the best G5 teams in the country this year. Yep. Um, and they have beat them. Uh, and then I have Utah uh, and the Utah by week at Oregon. So we're going to find out really quick how good they actually are, mm-hmm. um, which is fun. Uh, I'm really impressed with this team. I think they have a chance to be a contender. Um, and if they win next week, maybe the favorite in the Pac-12. Like they are yeah. that good. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll mention Jake Bobo here as well. Just a fun yes. player to watch. Physical, physical wide receiver played really well in this yeah. game. He was a guy who they went to a lot on those individual matchups, and he little white boy swag. Yeah, he was difficult to stop. <laughs> he does not play the way that you would expect someone named Jake Bobo to play. He is, he is he's not like just a little, you know, skinny slot receiver getting wide open. Like no, he's big. He is he is a big motherfucker, and he is hard to bring down. Um, enjoyed watching him play. Michigan 27, Iowa 14, never actually close. Iowa managed to gain one yard on fourth and two in this game with the game kind of on the line, um, which, and it was a pass, passing play for one yard on fourth and two, which is sort of, that is Iowa football, sure enough, that that's that's pretty much what they do. Um, J.J. McCarthy did not have the issues with this passing defense that we were not expecting, but had mentioned were well, they, a possibility. Yeah, they, they didn't also let just him do anything. Yeah, they didn't make yeah. him do anything. Just Blake Corum, you know, did as he as he does, and Michigan does uh, here what it probably was just supposed to do. Uh, takes takes care of business and moves on like a good team against Iowa should, uh, and they did. Sure. Uh, any any yeah, thoughts Michi- on this? Michigan, uh, yeah, Michigan knew itself, right? They knew they're not like a real top five team. They're a fraud, phony football team. Somebody's got to uh, be in the just, top five. That's all I'm going to say. Somebody's got to yeah, be. Yeah, someone has to be the top five. Michigan is that team that just has to be the top five because someone has to fill that spot. Yeah. Um, and they know they're not like good, like other teams, the top five are, so they have to like just play <laughs> trestle ball to, uh, play and serve against Iowa and let their pretty bad quarterback just throw really easy passes at like, you know, an average of like six yards an attempt. Um, cause that's what he's used to doing, right? Like the high school level when he played with, uh, JV football teams mm-hmm. and small school, Illinois football, uh, he was used to throwing the five foot nine receivers with any talent and Michigan does a really good job of replicating that for him at the college level as mm-hmm. well. So Mich- I think he's really comfortable in the system. Michigan yeah. and Clemson this season, these two teams are cousins. They they have a lot in common, <laughs> I will say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I uh 
I can't wait to see JJ McCarthy play a team that has I don't know anything. I, I do like. Well, I, I, I know I have, our, I have our disastrously. Good I have very bad news for you because he's not going to. <laughs> he's not going to until November. It's going to be in Columbus. <laughs> he'll, he'll he'll get a nice reality check, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, it was really funny for our good friend Dan at Thickstauskas to uh, tweet at me that JJ McCarthy was carving up the Iowa defense and oh. <laughs> route to his like. I think I think he had a net like 140 yards yeah. in a day total. <laughs> he's dicing them up though. Come on, he's he's hitting mesh over and over and over and over and over again. He just yeah. keeps hitting mesh. He's going nuts on it. He's sp- yeah. he's spamming the check down button. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess good for him for not uh, trying to do too much here. That that can be yeah. an issue with young quarterbacks. He didn't do that, so that's uh, he credit to him. He like is a tall young uh Sean Clifford, which I think is really good for Michigan and that's, <laughs> that's something they can look forward to. Ole Miss um, Ole Miss 22, Kentucky 19. Um Kentucky should have won this game and didn't because of a pair of Will Levis fumbles in the fourth quarter. Um this guy sucks. He's the worst part of this team. Will Levis is the absolutely <laughs> he is the worst part of this football team. I don't know that goes far to say he's the worst part of the team. He's but not he definitely good. was he made some critical errors this game. Well, it I'm sick of yeah, this guy. I mean, he, it's I'm just tired not, of him too. I will there. say, I, I view him like I view uh, a lot of other players, which is like, I think I grow to dislike them more because of the way other people talk about them. Like, I don't think it's Will Levis's fault people like him as a player. Yeah. Like, it's he didn't do anything wrong on, on that regard, but like, he definitely is not as good as they think, right? And also, no. did you see the Lane Kiffin quotes after the game? Um, I saw the ones before the game about yelling at his own students to show up at the game, which is funny. Um, that I, is funny. I, I after the game, after he was game. giving... He was giving an interview and uh, he said it in complete deadpan to the point that I don't know if he was trolling or just like was being like Lane. Yeah. But uh, he was saying, he's like, well, yeah, their offensive coordinator kept calling the number one pick in the draft this next year. So, you know, our defense held number one pick in the draft to 19 points. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good for, the, you know, number he... one pick in the draft. He said number one pick in the draft like four times. <laughs> it has to be a troll. It's so funny, dude. It dude, was really, he, really good. He does have a, um, he's very annoying online, but in person, like in, in actually speaking, he has very good comedic timing and he, he delivers it in yes. a way that's really funny. Um, <laughs> I like Lane Kiffin, man. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, Will Levis uh, did not follow through this game. Like he's not terrible. If you look at the box, I think he'd be okay. But like didn't play well in the moment, did not come up. Uh, when they needed him to uh also this running game a lot of diminished returns here like these guys are not the line is running struggling they did last there. year yeah it's it, we knew it was going to be a lot of like time this line to rebuild if they lost many start i think they lost three starters last year mm-hmm. um and three long time starters well guys been that line for two three years of starters um but you're kentucky like you talk about having this winning culture you bring in every year and like this is what you guys do every year figure it out right i yeah. mean like, that's that's what you need to do if you're going to be that identity figure it out yeah i would guess that they will from what i know about kentucky i would guess that they will get some some of this stuff sorted um Ole miss i will mention just uh, credit to them for going out and winning the game uh quinshawn judkins 15 carries for 109 yards and a touchdown not the running back we thought was going to be doing that for them this season no zach, it's, it's been a few weeks in a row now he's on seat of zach evans, yeah so yeah not, zach uh, evans only had nine carries for 24 yards uh jackson dart also ran eight times for 40 yards the passing attack here is not what it has been but uh lane can scheme them up we you know we I think we like Lane as an offensive coach. I think he does a good job. Um, and he has designed a rushing attack that can make up for the fact that this passing game is not what it usually is in terms of explosiveness. The, the running game here is really good. It's it's just well-designed. Um, yeah, and worth noting, by the way, Junkins is a, a three-star true freshman for the state of Alabama. Oh, yeah. Just an incredible pull by Lane. Damn. Here to, get this, like, to identify him and, and yeah. grab him. 
you think a guy, you think uh, an Auburn style program may may need a player like this in the mm-hmm. future. But... Something to look into. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> uh, yeah, might need a player like this, and perhaps even a coach like this. But who is to say? <laughs> TCU fifty five, Oklahoma twenty four. God damn! <laughs> I didn't see it coming. Look, Beat we the look, shit we... out of them. We, Patrick, I think we owe the good folks at TCU an apology. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> we have been making, we have been calling Max Duggan a fraud this whole time. And I still, part of me thinks we might be right, but he looked damn good in this game. And like, uh, I don't know. I think that a lot of people would have looked pretty good in this game against this, the, the, the things that Oklahoma was doing defensively. That was, well, yeah. The was other brutal. question too is why, why does Brent Venables have this, bu- what I got to pull the guy's name up again, but uh, it's, they, they hired a Clemson analyst yeah. uh, as their, uh, as their defensive coordinator. The name of is a, uh, Ted, it was it's Ted, Ted Roof. Roof. Yeah, it was Ted Roof. Yeah. It's Ted Roof who like, Last was a DC at Vanderbilt, really bad football team. Was at uh, App State and and uh, NC State for a few years. He's really basically gotten fired everywhere he's gone all the yeah. time. Yeah, former he, long-term Paul Johnson guy, right? Yeah, this was sort of it was sort of the joke when he made the hire was that Venables was taking like a heat check of saying, "Well, look, I can I can build a, a great defense even with a bad defensive coordinator," um, which uh, no, he can't. He can't do that. He he should not yeah. have done this. It was a bad idea. Um, yeah, Ted he Roof sticks. It. Ted Roof, historically not a good defensive coordinator, and in this game, um, missed tackles, blown coverages, uh, plays that really shouldn't even be described as blown coverages because they were so much worse than a blown coverage is. Like, plays where there is not a guy within 20 yards of the TCU receiver. And it was like, the reason why is because there was a running back route. Like there was, there was a play out of the backfield <laughs> and the safety died. Like the safety saw that and he forgot how to play football. Um, TCU, like really, I, I don't think that, that uh, Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator there, did anything that was especially advanced from watching this game. It was more just Oklahoma could not do anything on defense, could not do anything um, yeah. Dylan Gabriel was knocked out of the game after an early targeting call, if memory serves. This game took forever to finish, um, but TCU just whooped them. Just, just whooped them. Straight up whooped them. Um, I don't have any comment on Max Duggan at this time. I, I, I do think that he sort of was doing it on air for a lot of these throws, but I will yeah. say, very, very funny to watch that young man run. He is not an athletic Oh, individual. dude, I was just literally at, <laughs> as you were shit. talking, I was watching the clip at like 60-yard rushing touchdown he had. <laughs> Yeah, so, a JT a JT Barrett style <laughs> touchdown, dude. It's all you can call it. Oh my god! And also on that play, I hate to be the boomer who complains about this shit. That Oklahoma uh, safety running him down absolutely just stopped. He could yeah. have caught him. Yeah, one hundred percent could have caught him. It's Max Duggan. He runs like a five two. Yeah, he's uh, he's any you could catch him. He's dude. running. Anyone could catch him. He was running like SpongeBob. He had the the, the, <laughs> the arm that didn't have the ball just swinging wildly, fist clenched as hard as it can possibly be clenched, and all, all of his muscles tensing as he's running down the sidelines. <laughs> having... Dude, he had five touchdowns, four hundred eighty uh, yards. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. man! Max Duggan's vision just going. Blank as he runs down the sidelines. <laughs> oh man, he entered Terminator. They're giving mode. him. They're giving him like the James Harrison oxygen mask after the Super Bowl touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. They. But it's got after a, like it's after a twelve yard first down. <laughs> yeah. They've, they've they've got like an emergency uh, like a like a, like an emergency helicopter flying him off the field after that. He's <laughs> getting stretchered yeah. off. This, this young man Ma- needs help. <laughs> Take him. Max Duggan watches film with a CPAP machine on. <laughs> 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 oh man, 
Max Duggan has to miss this play after his catheter was knocked out. He's going to have to go. He's going to put him back in after that. They're going to get it readjusted. Oh, but man. yeah, Oklahoma fucking sucks. Dude. Yeah, they These stink. They, they stink out loud. They are not good. Uh, we, we retract. We retract any Oklahoma positivity that we had at the beginning of the season. These guys are correct. Uh, dog shit. They are not good. Um, Purdue twenty, Minnesota ten. Minnesota without its only good player on offense uh, struggles because they did not have their only good player on offense. Um, Purdue just teed off. Purdue just completely teed off on them. Um, Purdue did not think that Minnesota was going to be able to run the ball without Mo Ibrahim, and they couldn't. Uh, Tanner Morgan was picked off three times, sacked twice, uh, nothing going on. Nothing going on at all for Minnesota's offense, and Purdue, while not doing a ton uh, with their own offense, did more than enough to win this game uh, by two scores and is, I guess, now the favorite in the West, if not uh, Illinois. Because I think it's Purdue and Illinois, it seems like, and that that's pretty funny. Really the, yeah, the proven teams at this point. So, um, any any thoughts on this one? Probably will finish last in the conference unless they can find a way to beat Rutgers, which I which I doubt. Uh, and maybe we'll have a win against the Big Ten West champion, which is very amusing. Yeah, love that. Um, but uh, no, um, I mean six combined turnovers this game. Really ugly football game. Yeah. No one was good. Like no one went out and won this game. Yeah, I, I want to point that out too. Just Minnesota was a little more shitty than uh than purdue was um yeah man i don't know like uh, uh, can i just maybe use this time to complain about this whole thing it's happening all over college football but especially the big 10 right now that's what the podcast is for it's just for us to complain that's that's all that it's for yeah uh uh well what is the deal with last minute injury announcements what what the fuck are we doing here like why are so many guys being held out last second with no other prior injury designation it's it's gone like it used to be i don't know the secretive stuff like we want to announce our quarterback to last minute that was always a thing but it's gone way over the top where there's just like there's like no acknowledgement until like 10 minutes before the game kicks off there's going to be multiple starters out with injuries yeah it's really annoying and like i don't know what it's coming from like i i know like it started with like a lot of like closed training camps and and closed practices during yeah uh covid and then you know spiled out into that kind of stuff and then now people are saying gambling's at fault too for some of this like why coaches are hiding it yeah it's fucking dumb dude it's really annoying please stop doing it i'm tired of it yeah yeah that that has happened at uh at utah state several times this year and you see the guy on the sidelines you're like wait a second did i just miss something what's what's going on here um yeah it's annoying it, it is it's annoying and it cannot like I don't know. It, it, there's no governing force that is going to hold these teams accountable and make them actually report anything like the NFL has. Yeah. Um, but it is still just uh, something that we can kind of ambiently complain about because it's it's yeah. annoying. Um, Please, can- TV network, save us. Yeah. Kansas State 37, Texas Tech 28. Um, I don't think that many people watched this one because it was on ESPN+, Plus, but Kansas State gets the job done. Not a great performance from that offense, but they did enough and they benefited from five Texas Tech turnovers, um, including, I think, a trio of fumbles. Yeah, three fumbles lost. Uh, can't do that. Can't do that if you're Texas Tech. So Kansas State sure can. not even necessarily survives, just does what it needs to do here. Also generated six well, also sacks. Yeah, but they're, I mean, I think the, the story of this game for Kansas State was their running attack is all the way back. Like yeah. they like yeah, they average good. almost nine yards a carry on the ground here. Like they, these these guys were very impressive uh, rushing the football, which I, I think is like in the Big Twelve where where this year especially it looks like a lot of teams are struggling with quarterback play. 
Uh, if Dylan Gabriel's going to be out for an extended amount of time, it gets a lot worse too. Yeah. Um, big to have that. I'm curious. I want to. I want to know when Kansas State plays Oklahoma State because I think that's going to be a really interesting game. Um, they get Iowa State this week, then TCU, and then it's Oklahoma State after uh, after a, a October 15th bye week. They get Oklahoma State at home on the 29th. That's going to be a really interesting game. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Kansas State is uh, firmly among the the best teams in the in the Big Twelve. Big Twelve that is wide open with Oklahoma not sitting at the top of it anymore. Um, can you imagine if we get Kansas Kansas State like as a play in game for the Big Twelve? Delightful, title? delightful. Yes, I can imagine it, and it's beautiful. It's a it's a glorious yeah. world that we live in there. Um, Illinois thirty four, Wisconsin ten. We mentioned it earlier, but uh, just just whomped them. <laughs> just walked in and whomped them. Beat them straight up. Um, defense was locked down after the first quarter or so. Just just shut them down. Uh, Graham Mertz had nothing really going on. Completely shut down the rushing attack. I think Wisconsin finished this game with two net rushing yards uh, when you include sacks and, and things like that. Braylon Allen had nothing going on. Chaz Malusi had nothing going on. Um, Illinois just blanked them. Just completely came in and just put them to sleep. Uh, it was it was great. Really, really. It was good magical, dude. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these guys. Like, I know we talked in the preseason about how good their interior D line is, but I, I don't think even we expected this. It's excellent. Right? Like, their entire defensive line is excellent. Yes. They. Uh, and, yeah. And the ends are all new guys. The ends are not veteran players. These are just guys they've developed. Um, I, I mean, Ryan Walters as the defensive coordinator here has done an unbelievable job. What a great hire at the time. Yeah. I mean, Illinois, kudos to them. Kudos to first of all, Brett Bielema for trying to do it and succeeding. Kudos to Illinois for ponying up to steal a coordinator from the SEC, even if it is Missouri, yep. um, to go coach Illinois. And then kudos to Ryan Walters for actually getting the job done, developing a fantastic defense, one of the best in the country yep. after just a couple of years here. Um, this program's awesome, dude. Like, like uh, Illinois is really fun to watch. That Indiana loss is so fluky. This team could very well be five and zero in like the Kansas discussion of that's a real football team. Yeah. And now that we just going to play Iowa this week, and they should beat Iowa. Yeah, I, I think that they absolutely should beat Iowa. Tommy DeVito has looked good in the role that they have asked him to fill. He does not have to do too much, but he hits the throws he needs to hit. Um, they generated what was it? Let me find it. Uh, eighteen percent havoc rate in this game, which is damn good. Uh, five yeah. sacks. Five sacks. It, it just, yeah. just really, really good. Ryan Walters has has coordinated a really aggressive, really mean defense there. Um, and then of course, uh, that we have gone this long without mentioning him is is a crime in itself. But Chase Brown, just what a what a delight to watch him play football i i just i he's really so really love to watch this guy together. run yeah he yeah. is the way that he runs is so unique he's so explosive um just really really enjoyable watching him run almost reminds me of ezekiel elliott when he was like really cooking near the end of his career at ohio state um so i guess near the end of the 2014 season and then into 2015 just really really physical but also like that that uphill track speed um he's great yeah he, he's great he is maybe the best running uh, back in college football right and i know we've talked a lot about how stacked the big 10 is at running back here right i mean like you like you have chase brown you have uh, Blake Corum, you have Mo Ibrahim, you have Braylon Allen, you have uh, 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 Trey Henderson and Maya Williams and all these guys, Nick Singleton. Like, the league is absolutely full up on running back talent. That's incredible. Yeah. And I think Chase Brown has been pretty clearly the best among them too, mm-hmm. right? Like, I-, I don't know what you'd say anyone in the league does better than him. Like, Ibrahim's a little bit more physical maybe. Corum's a little bit shiftier. Yeah. Uh, Braylon Allen's a bit bigger. But, like, the combination of those talents, like we talk about running backs as problem solvers. He's just so good at it, man. He just has an answer for everything. Yeah. Um, he's, he's also like, it's uh this is, you know, a very, very simple 
breakdown of a of a player's game, but it's something that always stands out to me when I watch him. He's so fucking fast. He's so fast. Yeah. Like it it is it, it's the level of speed that you would usually get from like a scat back or somebody who is specifically just meant to be fast and that he is that physical and that technically refined while also just being like a like a low 4-4 four, four, maybe 4-3 four, guy. Um he's so fast. He he plays just faster than anybody else on the field. Um, I love to watch him play. I really, really love to watch him play. Love yeah. to watch this rushing attack in general. Um, Illinois is good. They are just, they are just good. Just a good, just a good football team. Good program. Um, and that uh, game against Purdue in November is gonna be really fun, by the way, because Purdue yeah. has really had a fantastic rushing defense so far this year, and that's gonna be that's another chance for Illinois to just prove it's better. It's better doing its thing, and you aren't stopping it. Yeah, um, which is a fun way for a Brett team to get its rocks off, which I can't wait to see. Yeah, another uh, another victory here for the idea of just hiring coaches who are good coaches. <laughs> that's that's yep. like the the thing is just well, this guy's good. He's won before, and he knows how to build a program. Um, and that's what Illinois did. They hired Brett Bielema. They went out and they got him, and they they gave him the resources that he needed, and. Here they are, well on their way to being a uh, a bowl team and quite a bit more. Uh, maybe the favorite in the West at this point. Good for them. Uh, Boston College 34, Louisville 33. Malik Cunningham was knocked out of this game, and the backup, um, Brock Doman, was horrible. Um, yeah. But still, not that, a loss. That is a character in one of the fake Boogie Nights boards, correct? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> not a loss, regardless, that you can take if you're Louisville. And uh, Scott Soderfield's seat is, I think, getting to the point where it is irreversibly hot. I, you cannot lose this game. Yeah, I mean, like, do they just... That, that's the calculus, I guess, the question is, like, do they think they lose these recruits if they fire him? I assume they do. Yeah. In which case, is it worth having a recruiting class that's good for a coach that's bad who can't win with all the returning talent in the world? Yeah. I like, mean, was it... Was it? Is there, like, a guy on the staff who's responsible for this? Or <laughs> I don't, It doesn't make sense they, to uh, me that, that it would be Satterfield. Is... Uh, I need to get his name pulled off. Hang on a second. Because like you could at least make that guy the interim coach and and you know hope that he can keep it together because he is the guy. But I I cannot imagine that this is like oh all of the five stars want to come play for Scott Satterfield. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't think of him as being that kind of that kind of guy on the trail. It's uh it's Lance Taylor, their OC, is okay. the guy who's kind of known as their their top recruiter. Yeah. Um, is my understanding, and and he does seem to be really good at it. I'll give him that. He is a he is a hell of a recruiter. Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, like you said, Centerfield's not getting the job done, right? Like, this guy has to get the fuck out of here. Um, there's nothing nothing going on with this offense, nothing going on with this team. You can't lose to Boston College. It's one of the worst – they're one of the worst programs in Power 5 football. Yeah, yeah, and especially to, to lose to them in a way where, like, really nothing that Louisville was doing looked especially good. Even when Millie Cunningham was on the field, it just – it doesn't it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good what they're doing right now. Um Alabama 49, Arkansas 26. Bryce Young left the game a, somewhat late in the first half, if memory serves, or actually somewhat early in the first half with what has since been revealed to be a, a, yeah. Yeah, a shoulder sprain that does not seem like it's going to impact him long term. Um, disappointing here from, from Arkansas. Just I don't think they just didn't have the guys. It, it seemed like, especially defensively in the back end, could not keep up with, with Alabama's receivers who were or not really big fans of. And then offensively, and this was especially well, disappointing, could not keep K.J. Jefferson protected for long enough for their, their plays to develop. Yeah, I was actually going to push back in there. I'd say the bigger problem was the, pa- the receivers of Alabama, rather the fact that these safeties were kept getting lost in the running game. Um, it was I mean, all Jaylen it was all on. not good. There was really not much going on here for the defense uh, for, for Arkansas, but there were a sure, couple big yeah. passing plays early on that I think then uh, helped the rushing attack along. 
I guess what I'm getting to is once they had it down to 28-3 with, what is it, like uh, down pretty much the start of the fourth quarter. Uh, from that point on, they gave, I believe it was three runs of 70-plus yards in the, in the in the final 15 minutes there, Yeah, which is just terrible. I mean, the Jalen Miller run was – I mean, like these guys just – no discipline, no tackling. Like veteran guys are missing tackles. The like you know incoming starters missing tackles. The team just kind of fell apart at the end there, and I think lost kind of their their self belief. Yeah, which was hard to see. Uh, KJ, like you said, was not protected, but also did not have his best game on his own right. Yeah, uh, I think has been kind of a little lackluster his last couple of weeks here. Um, yeah, it sucks, man. I mean, uh, Alabama got away with one for sure. Uh, when that game was 28-23, Arkansas had all the fight in the world. And they kind of just lost it on that big Milrow run, and yeah, um, pretty disappointing. Uh, definitely need this team to. To kind of look at themselves here, I I have to wonder if they think about moving off Barry Odom, right? Like how many big games? I know he gets like a lot of like love as a he's a you know good coach or whatever, but like yeah, how many times have they just shown up in these big games and given up so many points to teams? Uh, like every time they're in a top twenty five game and it's not Texas and they're playing, they're giving up forty five points every yeah. time. Yeah, the the defense, and I don't know if it's just like a top-end talent thing or if it's a scheme thing. It seems like it's probably a little bit of both. But the defense, regardless, should not be at this level at this point. They should be better than they are uh, when they play against competent offenses, and they just they haven't been to this point. Um, it cost them it cost them the Tennessee game last year, right? They lost that game. I think they lost that game. Yeah, they gave up here last year. Uh, so obviously this game happened this season. They gave up 42 to Alabama in November last year. Um, they gave up, let's see here. They gave up 38 to Auburn at home and in the game they lost to Auburn. They gave up 52 to Ole Miss. They gave up 37 to Georgia. Ole Miss was the game I was um, thinking of. Yeah. 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 I mean, just, just a lot of games too much. here they're just simply like not putting it together. Yeah. Too much. Um, improvement needed there in general. Ohio State 49, Rutgers 10. Um, I don't have any thoughts on this. What, what happened here? Oh, well, Ohio State's just the best team in the country. That's all I want to talk about. Okay. Um, Ohio State is, is looking at the best team in America. Um, Georgia, Alabama, they're unserious programs. I don't love winning the way we do. Um, and, and Ohio State's ready to roll, man. I think it's it's just time to, to crown the Bucks. We should just probably just call the season right now. Okay. Yeah, we should just call the season right now. Ohio State has never looked very good at the beginning of the season and then kind of uh, crumbled in a weird game that they shouldn't have. They've never done that. Yeah. Um, That's right. Maya Williams is one of the biggest tone setters in all football. We love him. He is good. Maya Williams is good. We talked about him last week. He is uh, he's good. Oklahoma State 36, Baylor 25. Oklahoma State just better here, uh, flat out yep. better. Uh, Blake Shapin made some passes that he, in this game that sort of explained to us, I think, why they moved on from Gary Bohannon. But Baylor just did not have didn't have enough to to keep up with an Oklahoma State team that has kept it going, just just kept rolling from last year and did not experience the drop off defensively that I think we were expecting. There is some drop off, but it's not been as severe. Um, they've just been really good. I think Oklahoma Oklahoma State is just a a solid solid team who has to be considered probably the favorite in the big 12 at this point. Yeah. Uh, I can't disagree with you at all. I mean, they look really, really solid so far. They have not fallen off after they lost kind of coaching staff and, and uh, talent kind of leads to the team last year. And they've been really impressed by what they, uh, what they've done with it. So uh, kudos to them. Uh, Baylor, I think, um, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, tough loss, obviously. I think there's, there's still very much in the mix in the big 12 and kind of get back to that point in time, but it's certainly a huge setback now with two big losses to, uh, to Oklahoma state and BYU. Yeah. Maybe just not as, not as uh, far along as we thought they were. I still feel confident in Randall's trajectory long-term. I think this team probably still goes eight and four, nine and three this year, Yeah, but uh, it's now an uphill battle for sure to be winning a conference championship and make it in my sixth bowl. Yeah. I think that they are, they are firmly a tier below the top tier, like in this conference or just in general, but they're, they're not, uh, they're not significantly beyond that. This is a, 
um, somewhere between like 14 to 25 team in America. And I think that that's, that's, you know, fine. It's, it's not as, as good as we wanted them to be, but it's not a disaster. They're just not quite at that. They don't have that top end talent to this point. Uh, and they, they're not, they've not been able to make up for it in the same way that they could last season. Um, team here in this next one that I think is actually in a pretty similar spot in Florida State. Wake Forest 31, Florida State 21. Wake Forest just more talented here. Just just A.T. Perry goes out and, and making plays individually. Um, the Wake Forest rushing attack was able to get pretty much what it wanted with Justice Ellison. Sam Hartman had another pretty solid game. Um, impressed with Florida State. I think that they're good. I think that they are firmly a good team, but Wake Forest just that they're just better. They've they've been doing it for longer. They were just better when it when it came down to it. Yeah, hundred percent. Um no disagreement for me. I mean I again I think this game was was fairly winnable for Florida State and, and probably should have a better performance of them here. But uh kudos to Wake for getting the job done. They just always had an answer. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, a good good ball game, honestly. Yeah, uh, hard I, hard I to know. be too upset with this if you're, you know, uh, like like us, we're pushing the Florida State agenda. Um, I don't really feel like this this changes that significantly. They are not a top no. like ACC contender, but they are firmly an eight and four, nine and three level team. Whereas Wake Forest right. is probably closer to like ten and two. Um, yeah, just, uh, I will say the penalties here for for Florida State probably the difference. We'll yep, yep. we talked in the pre in the preview about uh, discipline. About Wake Forest will test your discipline, and Florida State not there yet. Just work in progress, I think, on on that front, and that was kind of the the difference in this one. Um, tough loss, not one that you want to take if you're Florida State. Was a winnable game, but not the end of the world, I don't think. Um, Kansas 14, Iowa State 11. Kansas wins in a different way than we have seen from them this year. The offense was not working in the way that they wanted it to. Um, needed to go out and make some plays on defense, and they did. Iowa State helped them out by missing three kicks and with, by playing some truly despicable situational football. Just dog shit in, in scoring yeah. position. Dog shit in managing the game uh which is what we have come to expect from dear friend of the show matt campbell who has truly just blown another one here uh but kansas goes very out. funny I watching the... some some certain national media types kind of coming to this realization like you know yeah. five years late yeah yeah welcome welcome to the party guys uh but kansas goes out and uh wins it with defense i thought the defense looked really good here stood up when it needed to despite some some pretty bad Kansas mistakes, uh, one turnover, but then some weird penalties, some things where they just couldn't really get out of their own way, especially on offense. The defense was going to get off the field on, on the last drive and, and force, uh, I think, either force a longer kick or, or even force a punt, and then was called for 12 men on the field after getting a stop. Uh, things like that sort of throughout the game, but Kansas still able to come through and win. That's what good teams do. It's what good teams do. Sometimes you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have a rough game on offense. Sometimes you're gonna have some mistakes. You're gonna have some some issues, and you have to go out and still find a way to win. And they did, and that's that's great. And uh, they're they're gonna be rewarded with quite a bit of hype around their upcoming game against TCU, which is becoming on game a, day. yeah on game day at at uh, at Kansas in Lawrence. Very very happy for them. Very excited about that game. I think it's going to be really cool and I'm, I'm glad that they're getting that opportunity and I'm glad that they could uh, show that they could win in a different way here because we've not seen it from the defense so far this year yeah 100 percent 100 percent uh really happy for them pumped for them yeah um and, and also always nice to see Iowa State eat shit as we know of course UConn 19 Fresno State 14 Oof. no Jake Hayner here for Fresno State and it showed Logan Fife the backup quarterback does not have it 
They couldn't get a whole lot going on offense in general. Um, good for UConn for, for winning this one. Zion Turner doing what he needed to do at quarterback. Uh, UConn is without quite a few of their top-end starters. I thought Devontae Houston played really well here, the backup halfback with Nathan Carter out for the season. Um, yeah, good win for, for UConn, but Jesus, Fresno State, that's not good. That's not good at all. Yeah, man. I, I mean, like, there's no excuse for this for Fresno, right? Like, it doesn't matter what you're missing. You, yeah. you are you can't so lose. far. You can't lose this game. Yeah. No. It's it's absolutely embarrassing. It's one of the worst losses. Uh, a team, like a good G5 team has taken in a long time. It's really, really bad. It's yeah. really, 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 really bad. Um, yeah. Don't lose to UConn, dude. Come on. Don't like, just get UConn. better. Speaking <laughs> of embarrassing losses, Michigan State, 13 at Maryland, 27. Mel Tucker... Man. Brother, you are not left right, Lord. No, no. I was uh, I was forced to watch this entire one on 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 playback because of a, a late scheduling change, and it was awful, awful football game. Truly, truly awful football game. Did not come out of this thinking that either team is any good. Um, Maryland's offense is just not well designed. They are talented enough that they can make it work anyway. Oh, I don't know. These guys, come they on. have they have no ideas. They have absolutely no ideas on offense. There's there's I I like their run design, dude. <sighs> They just don't do anything with it. They they can they can have these plays that are okay. They can have these plays for you know Antoine Antoine Littleton who I I really really like. They can have these things where they set it up, but they just don't do anything with it. None of it feels connected. None of it feels really all that intentional. Um, the passing attack is disgusting. It is not anywhere near where it needs to be if, with the talent that they have. Just agreed. Horizontal throws constantly. They never go down the field. Talia cannot hit throws down the field when they do go down the field. I hate watching this fucking team play. They're gonna go eight and four, but I I hate watching these guys play. It's a horrible offense. It's just not well designed. It isn't. I mean, you have to give them credit for building Maryland teams to go eight and four, though. That yeah, is sure. that is an accomplishment in of itself. Like like no matter how gross it is, it, this is working as designed. Like I, I think yeah. I'm pretty happy this Maryland team what they what they've become. I guess I don't know that it's so much them as it is like Michigan State's really bad and Indiana's really bad and Rutgers is not going to beat them and the West has nothing to offer and so it's like who are they going to lose to? They don't play anybody in the non-conference. They're going to lose to Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan, but that's nine and three. And yeah, that, I mean, but... their next four games here, by the way, their next four uh, weeks, rather, five weeks, it goes uh, Purdue at home, Indiana on the road, Northwestern home, by week at Wisconsin. Yeah, they might they, lose to Purdue, they... but uh, that's, yeah, that that's not a super dangerous slate right there. Yeah. Uh, we're talking more and more about 9-3 Maryland. If they, if they go 4-0 that stretch, 9-3 Maryland is on the table. Yeah, every year the Big Ten East has to produce a completely fraudulent team who wins 9 or 10 games. Uh, last yeah. year, Michigan State got to do it, and this year, Michigan State is atrocious. This team is awful. I, I've, I've talked a lot of shit about Maryland here. Maryland did win the game. The team that lost the game, good God. There is there's nothing there. There is absolutely nothing there. That defense is horrible. Peyton Thorne cannot do fucking anything. He's no, there's nothing happening here. They can't run the ball. They have one receiver. They can't block. They can't tackle. They can't play defense. These guys are horrible. They are horrible. Yeah. Uh, it is back to the drawing board for these freaks. Like, like yeah. just like like from scratch. Like this is not working. Yeah. The, the 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 best thing that their offense has is when they have 80 yards to go and the field's wide open. That is that is the with every yard they gain, the offense gets worse. The smaller the field gets, the worse <laughs> that the offense is. Um, and then by the time they get into the red zone, they have one play. They have one play idea, and it's we're going to isolate Jaden Reed, and then Peyton Thorne's going to throw the ball 10 yards over his head. It's, it's, it's yeah, awful. It's cool. Awful, awful football team. 
Um, it turns out just having a running back who goes through everybody doesn't really work. <laughs> you can't uh, repeat it. It's not really it. replicatable thing. Yeah. 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 It's weird that Wisconsin's fourth best running back and the guy from Colorado are not able to recreate what Kenneth Walker could do. Jesus Christ. Stupid, stupid program. Um, North Carolina 41, Virginia Tech 10. Brother, you just put 10 points on North Carolina's defense. Good. Were God. we? Uh, should we consider the possibility? I I know we think Virginia Tech's bad. And I agree. Yeah. Is it possible North Carolina is better than we thought? The defense is awful. The defense is going to to limit them severely. I, yeah, but is, Drake May is really good. Yeah, Drake May is really good. I I, I am uh, not uh, not at all opposed to Drake May uh, boosting. He is he's really good. He's very good already. This is a this is a true freshman, right? No, it's not. It's he's a. Uh, is he not a true freshman? freshman? He's a redshirt freshman. Regardless, yeah. he's really good. He's really, really, really good. Really good arm. He reads the defense well. I like watching him play quite a bit. Um, none of their receivers really stand out to me, other than Josh Downs, who is solid. But um, yeah, I think Drake May is 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 good and good enough to keep them in most games that they play. But that the defense, I'm not going to take a single thing from this game because Virginia Tech's offense is a yeah. is a train wreck. It is. They're, it truly is, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a bummer for Brent Pry. Like, I, I know we credit, like, I like Brent Pry as a coach, as a defensive coach. Yeah, and this was a bad game for them, but overall, the defense has been relatively strong this season for Virginia Tech. But mm-hmm. uh, hiring again, Urban Myers, Jaguars tight ends coach as your OC. <laughs> w- what are we doing here? Bad, bad, just bad, bad process, and you're getting bad results from it. And then going out and getting Grant Wells as well does not make any sense. Uh, right. It was a it was a it's bad terrible. off season for that for that offense. R- Really quick on Drake May here, uh, 22 combined touchdowns so far this season. Jesus. Almost 70% of his passes completed, uh, and he has been averaging uh, 9.7 yards per attempt, only one turnover on the year. Yeah, uh, he's fucking he good. He's been brilliant. Is yeah. there, okay, real quick, just is there any, do you have any concern about the old first-year Phil Longo quarterback regression? Because <laughs> we have, I have a lot we, of concerns yeah, about it. Yeah, because I will say, we have seen this story before with him. I remember Shea Patterson's first year. I remember Jordan Ta'amu's first year. Um, he has a little bit, Sam Hartman had some of this, or not Sam Hartman, um, who's the fucking guy who they just had uh, North Carolina? Uh, did. Uh, Sam uh, Howell. Sam Howell, yeah, he had some of this. Um, there's a tendency in this offense to your first year is your best year, and then you spend time under Phil Longo and you get worse. Um, yeah, what's up with that? How how does this keep happening? It seems like he's probably just not a very good coach. I think that that's. But how that's does he the... make them good the first year? Like that's what I don't, I don't understand. I don't know. He keeps just backing into really talented quarterbacks. I guess. I uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's one of those offenses where the less you know, the better. Like when they're running the most simple plays yeah. that they have in the playbook. They call it the Tame Impala offense. Yeah, it's going to be the best uh, the best that it is because once they start adding more shit into it, it just becomes like too bloated and, and complicated and it doesn't work anymore. That uh, honestly would make some sense if that is what's happening. Um, but uh, I hope that Drake May is spared from that because yeah. he's fun to watch and I don't, I don't want that to happen. Bill Longo is just like, uh, Bill Longo is like learning disability Ryan Day. Yeah, many are saying that um, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Mississippi State and Ryan Day also Maybe is... Maybe very Should I take one on the podcast? Uh, I think it's probably, it's, there, it's probably staying in. Ryan Day is also that. Mississippi State 42, <laughs> Texas A&M 24. Um, Texas A&M not good, just not good. Offense looked like shit, of course. Um, Mississippi yes. State, though, on the other side of things, running the ball somewhat well. I like Dylan Johnson. I think that he is good. And Will Rogers, he's... 
he's good. He is full-on good. He is not air-raid good. He is just good. He makes some really, really tough throws in this offense and um, did so here and, and did so to quite a bit of success. Mississippi State really never seriously threatened here. Just just straight-up beat him. No problem. Yeah. Did you see uh, even our boy Billy Six Figs Lucci is turning on Texas a oh The Texas had Billy Lucci. You know who this guy is? Are you familiar with him? I'm familiar, yeah. Uh, have I ever told you the origin of the Six Figs nickname? No. Uh, so he got really drunk. It was something in Texas. I forget what it was. Some kind of like, uh, I don't know if it was uh, like a, one of the big camps or whatever, but he was around a lot of other media types from yeah. the cover like Texas, Texas A&M, et cetera, and got hammered with them afterwards and uh, kept bragging about how he's making six figures during college football <laughs> coverage. And, and several started calling him Six Figs Lucci. Uh, That's down awesome. There, which That's is awesome. really, really funny. Yeah. yeah. At least the story I heard, someone told me years ago. I don't know if it's true. I mean, it's pretty funny. I hope it is true. That's the but, best uh, kind of story is one that you don't know that's true. If it's oh, true, yeah. it's really I, I'm repeating this fourth hand. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, AM's terrible, dude. What a terrible program. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's Jimbo's fault. It's 100% on Jimbo. There's no one else to blame here. He has no interest in getting out of his own way. He just likes to ruin his team. Um, yeah. He is, uh, he is completely it. committed to his bad ideology, his ideology that has pro- been proven incorrect before. There's no reflection on this. There's no yeah. changes coming. He's not adjusting anything. It's it's nuts too because like you were saying earlier, you know the the Wisconsin thing. They're a lot like Wisconsin, but like Texas A&M does not need to do that. That's the difference. Wisconsin and Iowa and teams like that, they do feel like they need to do that. And and in some cases, they have a very, they have a valid point because they don't have the talent to do anything else. But Texas A&M doesn't need to do this. It's the most frustrating thing about it. Like they could do something else. They could they could run a normal offense. They could do anything. Dude. They, they could, could do, do any do, kind like, of offense. They could run just like they they could just do like basic shit. They could just go hire like Jeff Levy and do the very very basic shit that everybody else is doing. No, they won't do it. They absolutely refuse to do it. They are completely committed to this. Not as a like oh we just don't have the quarterback talent or whatever, but as a like. This is what they have to do. This is the only thing they have any interest in doing. It's it's crazy. It's crazy that he's doing this. Like that there's I don't know that there's a situ- the situation that really uh, you can you can draw a parallel to because I don't think there's another coach in college football who is squandering talent on this level. It's uh No, it's it's, it's an industrial scale. Like he yeah. was doing it at an incredible clip. Who else even comparable? Like late stage Urban, maybe. Yeah, like, but like uh, even then, I mean, he was even winning, Urban like, was yeah, going he was to winning the playoffs, thirteen yeah. games. You know, they went to the Rose yeah. Bowl in his worst season at Ohio State. Like I don't, I don't know Clay Helton. Like that, that like, and the Clay Helton went to the 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 fucking Rose Bowl. Uh, yeah, yeah, I went to the Rose Bowl. Went to the uh, they held on a top five finish at USC. The Cotton that. Bowl that was basically the Rose Bowl had a top five finish. Had a top, uh, you know, top quarterback. Uh, this is just. It's just a disaster. They're three and two already. They've got Alabama on the road next week. They're going to lose that game. They get Mississippi. 100%. They get a uh, Ole Miss at home at the end of October. They're going to lose that game. They get Florida at home. They could very well lose that game. They end the season with LSU at home. Like this could be a seven and five team. It's it's a disaster. That is absolutely a disaster for this team. And they just keep doing it. They're going to do it again next year. They're going to be a top ten team next year coming into the season, and they're going to lose four or five games because they just aren't. They're just not serious. They are not taking it seriously. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. Like, like, and like, there has to be. And I guess the question is too is like, since you've given Jimbo all this money, what leverage you over him? Like, you know, I mean, yeah. his buyout is eighty plus yeah, million dollars. Like, you got nothing. You, you either you just have to like take control of the program from him and fire his OC for him, and like, yeah. like install a new OC against his will, which like 
good good luck doing that. Like, how's yeah. that going to work? Yeah, I guess you could do the old Florida State where you just make it unbearable until he leaves, right? <laughs> so yeah, you're gonna have yeah. to leave on your own, buddy. If you want out of here, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to uh, do it yourself. We're just gonna make it really really nasty for you here. Um, yeah, I guess you could do that. Sorry, we're not gonna give you money for new assistance anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pay out of pocket. Yeah. You want <laughs> you want to pay your assistance? Sorry, uh, money ran out. I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, you've got plenty of it, right? Why don't you yeah, go ahead and do that? Yeah, why don't you? Uh, I heard you got. I heard you actually have a lot of money, so maybe you can. Uh, maybe you could do it. <laughs> not my problem anymore. Um, yeah, really, really nasty football team. Not they should good. hire Shane Beamer. How about that? How about okay. Shane Beamer? To okay, all that right. Funny? Okay, yeah. That would be... <laughs> what if what if they learn the lesson from Jimbo by just taking the exact opposite kind of guy, which is yeah. like a guy who's also terrible, but but for way different reasons. Yeah, for completely different reasons. Uh, the the any pretty much any coach you put at Texas A and M would be funny. It is a uh, it is one of those jobs where it's just. Uh, Anybody doing it is is going to be a very funny person to have. Yeah, there I'm it's... trying to think of who it could be to maximize the amusement, though. Oh man, uh, Mac Brown, bring him. Sunny Dykes. <laughs> Sunny Dykes would be pretty good. Chad Morris. It's time. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, go- we're going for a Jeff Trailer style hire with Chad Morris. Um, man, Gundy. They hire Philip Montgomery. Philip Montgomery that that's probably the answer is a G five guy. Just like any G five guy. We're, we've hired Jamie Chadwell. Why? <laughs> Why'd you do that to him? What a mean thing to do. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Jamie Chadwell would love it down there. Yeah. No, he's actually he probably wouldn't. I actually he he would probably like I don't know, this is a parody, not action why. But he would like call the yell leaders like queers or something in a press conference. <laughs> I'm sick of those guys. Oh man, what is going yeah, on? Yeah, Jamie Chadwell saying fourteen slurs in his yeah. first three uh, press appearances when he goes to Texas. What's, guys, what's up with this damn dog? What's going on? <laughs> everybody keep telling me about the damn dog. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, speaking of Coastal Carolina and Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina thirty-four, Georgia Southern thirty. Uh, I, I've said it before on the podcast. I'm sure I will have to say it again this season. Uh, they love to fuck around. They absolutely love to fuck around. They will never pay for it. They will not be held accountable for fucking around for three <laughs> goddamn quarters. It doesn't matter. They're still going to win. Uh, very, very funny. Very funny that they just keep doing this, and they, they still have not been hurt by it. They've been doing this for three years now, and it still doesn't matter. Are they going to run the table again? It seems like they might. <laughs> it seems like they might. Like uh, they're they're gonna they're they're running the table in the same way that like we just talked about the uh, the Max Duggan run. That's how they're doing it. They are running in yeah. quotation marks <laughs> the table. Um, but uh, I mean, somebody's got to beat them, and it doesn't seem like anybody's going to. Um, good Grace and McCall game here. Jared Brown, once again, I mentioned him last week. He is a guy. He is somebody who is uh, worth thinking about, worth watching here. Five catches, 139 yards, and a touchdown. Um, yeah. They are. And if you su- they're still without their starting running back as well, Braden Bennett, who has not yet played this season. Um, but they they win again. They made it way closer than they really had any business making it. Lost two turnovers. Um, had some red zone issues. Had some scoring opportunity issues. Still won the game. Still 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 survived. And also had the coolest highlight of the week. Yes, right? like that the C.J. Beasley highlight oh. is the coolest thing of the week. Yeah, the, the if you guys hurdle. missed it, he he hurdled someone inside the red zone to set up the game winning touchdown. Yeah, it was it was spectacular. I was it to set up or did he score the game winning touchdown? I think he might I don't have think scored, he scored it. on that play. Yeah, right? I think I think he or, scored it on that play. I think he hurdled and then scored a touchdown, which is fucking crazy. Unreal. Uh, it's uh, what yeah, a talent. awesome, yeah. awesome highlight. Um, good for Coastal Carolina to uh, to win the game in what would have been a, a really really bad loss, but they just keep doing this. They 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 will not stop. Um, 
staying in the Sun Belt with another team who I think is is a serious serious contender at this point. Troy 34, Western Kentucky 27. Um, Troy is just fucking good. They are just a good fucking team because this is a this is a good Western Kentucky team. They've got great receivers. Um, Austin Reed I thought looked really good in this game as well. 39 uh, 55 for 406 and three touchdowns. Uh, but Troy was but- pr- Troy pressured him all game long. Um, generated five sacks, had 12 havoc plays in general, 14% havoc rate, uh, did enough on offense, but that, that defense really, really impressive performance against a good Western Kentucky offense. I think it's going to say the story of this game though is not either starting quarterback, but rather the backup Jared Dagey. It's the Jared Dagey bowl, dude. He yeah. transferred out of Western Kentucky mid, like mid off season yeah. when he found he wasn't going to get the starting job guarantee to come to Troy, comes off the bench for Charger Gunner Watson gets hurt, goes seven of eight for 71 yards and two touchdowns to lead to come back and win the game. Like that to me is a story of the game. That's it's Jared Dagey uh, uh, winning the Dagey bowl. Yeah. Wins the Dagey bowl as everybody, we should have assumed just based on, uh, you know, what we know about Jared Dagey, <laughs> that he was going to win the Jared Dagey bowl. When you are in a Jared Dagey competition and your opponent is Jared Dagey, <laughs> there's no, there's no hope for you. He's going to win. He, he will always win the Jared Dagey competition. He is unbeaten in the being Jared Dagey <laughs> competition. Just, just uh, a vindictive evil guy. I love, I love this. <laughs> For him. Just, <laughs> can't he is, be beaten. He is, <laughs> he is one of the darkest forces in the sport of college, sport of college football. You just ran into uh, the Jarrett Dagey machine. He's like he he is he's a walking deep fried meme of like you just lost to Jarrett Dagey. That's like that is his actual persona on the field. Um, he's like a lost demigod that used to be more powerful when he had more followers. Yeah, he's, but now ho- it's like, he's, he's hollowed. He's he's like Dark Souls hollowed. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot kill what is already dead. You cannot beat what is already daggied. It can't be done. <laughs> oh, man. Good win for Troy, uh, which is now a top contender, still a top contender in the Sun Belt West with a game that we won't do a full breakdown for, but I just want to mention South Alabama, which won 20-17 to over Louisiana, pretty much knocked them Let's out of go. contention in the process. Um, South Alabama and Troy, we got new blood atop the West, and both of them are just fun to watch, really fun to watch. Good defenses, good young coaches who we like quite a bit. Um, glad to see it. I'm, I'm excited about that that uh, that title race and excited about those two teams. Um, Georgia 26, Missouri 22. What the fuck? What the fuck? What happened here? Georgia sucks, dude. I actually watched <laughs> most of this game. Uh, I, I don't know. Missouri's defensive line was yeah. beating Georgia's ass. That's what happened in this game. For yeah, most of it. Georgia could not run until the fourth quarter. Just could not run at all. Yeah. I mean, eventually the dam just broke, right? That's the big deal. It's like, yeah. like Missouri was playing well, got some turnovers, like like held the, you know, just held serve basically, and then at a certain point in time, the offense could not finish drives. They had, two I, I would say at the, I would say for the entire game, the offense could not finish. Yeah, drives. fair enough, fair enough. That's, I mean, that's the correct way to say it. There are two drives I'm thinking of, kind of uh, later in the second half. Let me pull this uh, game chart up here really quick. Uh, but but basically, yeah, I mean, Missouri was doing everything they could. Harrison Mevis kicked like. 90,000 field goals yeah, this game they, it felt yeah, like. Missouri scored 22 points and had one touchdown. That is that is how this that's how this happened here is that, I, I think he was 5 for 5 on field goals after 
uh, missing what would have been the game winner last week against Auburn. He was back with a vengeance. Him and Jarrett Dagey are the two darkest forces in college football. Um, if they ever meet, it's going to be disastrous for everyone in, oh, the, in the local area. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Missouri just could not put the ball in the end zone here, and that, that really ended up uh, ended up being the thing. They had a 22% red zone yeah. success rate. That is not terrible. Not going to cut it. Not going to cut it. Yeah. Uh, they uh, at one point in time they had a first and goal had a first and goal to Georgia one yard line with five minutes ago in the first half and ended up kicking a field goal on fourth down from the Georgia four Uh, not great not great at all yeah Uh, also got down to the Georgia 24 and a first and 10 moved the ball backwards eight yards that time as well set off with their field goal Um, it was off a Georgia fumble they had a chance to really close those two drives out going into the half and have a much larger lead and then in addition to that yielding that last second field goal uh, at the half, the Georgia they moved the ball downfield in like like thirty seconds to get a field goal. Yeah, very frustrating. Uh, just Missouri missing opportunities. Should have won this goddamn game. They really should have won it. Um, Georgia though has looked so mortal these last few weeks, uh, yeah. last two weeks rather against them and Kent State. Uh, like Jalen Carter's now hurt. Uh, it turns out you need more than a good tight end to have an offense. Yeah, this is one of those, and we saw this. I can't remember what the game was last year. Um, the Georgia game. It might have been uh, Kentucky, if memory serves. Ken- it was a game like that. It was a it was an SEC East game. They also did this against Clemson. There were just these little hints of the offensive line not being very good, and we don't see it very often. They they're usually good. They're they're usually able to run the ball. They can usually keep sets and bend it up right for for more than enough time to make plays. But this is one of those games, and we saw this, like I said, a little bit from Georgia last year, and we're seeing it now a little bit this year, where, like, I don't know, why isn't the offensive line better? Why is the rushing attack not more dominant? That's been a question that I've had about Georgia for a while, even as they were winning a national championship last year. There's just this sense with this rushing attack of, like, why can't you guys pick a running back? Why do you guys have three fucking running backs that you're giving 11 carries, like, like you know, multi, you know, double-digit carries to? Why can't you find a really good running back? Why can't you produce a really dominant rushing attack? That's like... The- well, even when they produce one, they they just, like, don't let him take over, right? Like, yeah. even Nick Shubb was never really allowed to take over the rushing attack. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's strange because they have all this talent in the rushing game. That offensive line is supremely talented. The running backs are all five stars. And it's just, there's, there's just this sense of like, I don't know that they can do this. I don't know that they can be dominant on the ground in the way that they probably should be. And, uh, this was the kind of game where like, yeah, they did not establish themselves up front at all. Uh, really until the fourth quarter when Missouri kind of tuckered itself out and, and just fell asleep and the game ended. Um, but for three quarters here, Missouri had the energy to, to keep up and Georgia just could not really establish itself as the more physically dominant team. And that is... Uh, frustrating, I would have to imagine, for Georgia. And, and from the outside looking in, it is it, troubling. Troubling that they could not do that against Missouri, which is not a good defense, not a good team in general. And they, they really no, not at all. did not establish uh, and, themselves here. And how about that three-week stretch in November they have here where they go Tennessee at Mississippi State at Kentucky? Something to look at. Something to keep in mind. They, I mean, yeah, that, this I, is not an immortal Georgia team that's going to like walk in. I, like, I thought at the start of the year, the first few weeks, this is a walk-in-to-the-playoff kind of team. Yeah. Uh, I have my doubts. Yeah, I, that is. Uh, we, I'm. I'm. I'm curious. I'm not uh, curious enough to like really pay attention to the teams at the true top of the sport, the top three. But it does seem like there are just little cracks in the army, the armor for all three of them, which is interesting. Uh, I, I don't except know. for the Buckeyes, right? Yeah, right, yeah, for sure. Except for the Buckeyes, who definitely have not had any cracks in the armor at all. Um, <laughs> no, there, there was no, you know, game where they couldn't score on Notre Dame or anything like that. That did not happen. Um, We're not worried. Yeah, not worried about that. Uh, but there's just little little hints of like 
these guys might not be fully there in terms of dominance, in terms of being this unbeatable force that we have considered them the last couple of years, not Ohio State, but the other two. Um, and uh, that's interesting to me. I, I don't know... I don't know at what point we will see any sort of product of that. I don't know if we will see anything from that, but it is something to keep an eye on. Um, Clemson 30, NC State 20. Uh, disappointing individual performances here from NC State. I thought that the defense came in with a pretty bad game plan. I thought they were really far too aggressive for a team that you don't need to be all that aggressive against, just bringing blitzes when they didn't really need to. But then, of course, when they start dropping seven or eight in coverage, they were not getting pressure with three. And that is that is the thing that I came out of this game thinking was the most important uh, thing, the thing that ended up costing NC State. Um, and the thing that was most disappointing is they should be able to get pressure with three against this Clemson offensive line. It's not a good offensive line. And they couldn't do it, and they lost the game because of it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And also, I mean, their defensive line, Clemson's defensive line, rather, kind of just started to eat at a certain point. Was really getting after Devin Leary in his face a lot. Leary yeah. was was also not great. He was really uh, good in the first out. half. The second half, he had a lot of issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, three sacks and five hurries, four for Clemson. I don't know if you have a great pulled up or not, but uh, um, I, I don't know, man. I, I thought they got away with a few there, and, and I really, I, I, I hate to bitch about this stuff, but. I think there was a fair bit of home cooking uh, in yeah. this Clemson game. I was really frustrated with the referee performance, especially the first first three quarters of this game. Um, yeah, it sucks. It's, they couldn't pull it out, obviously. And I think also um, Clemson bought themselves enough time to start to figure out this offense. Like, say what you want about them. This offense has looked a lot better in the last few weeks. I'm starting to think it might actually be fixed. I think I don't think it's fixed. I think that they have figured out how to work around some of the issues that they have. They The, the top end of this offense is still not there and is not going to be there, but they have certainly, um, they, they've bimbified uh, DJ Uyunglele a little bit. They, they have understood <laughs> like, oh, we just need to use this guy as a battering ram because he really doesn't throw the ball all that well. Um, and uh, yeah, when he has 10 seconds well, in the pocket. Well, more importantly, to, it sets up his throws. Too, yeah. yeah, when he has 10 seconds in the in the pocket to throw the, the setup passes off of his, his runs, um, yeah, he's he's pretty competent. <laughs> that's that's yeah. that's about the most that I'm going to say about this offense. I think that it's uh, they have they have benefited from teams not really understanding how to play them the last two weeks, and that is that's disappointing from NC State and Wake Forest. Well, well who's going to really beat should. them then? I mean, the, the yeah. rest of this year, like who, who's going to beat them? Like these were the two who needed schedule. to be ready for these games, and neither of them were. Uh, and that that is that's that's frustrating because um, yeah. I'm really I'm still not at all impressed with with Clemson. The defensive line is good, um, but uh, this this. This felt a lot more to me like NC State losing than it did Clemson winning. There were a lot of NC State mistakes in this game, like not just turnovers, not just penalties, but little things. Being vastly out of position for no reason, missing tackles, um, being too aggressive in pursuing the, the, the backfield when you have a tight end splitting out very obviously into the flats and not covering him as a linebacker. Um, did not play. I, did, I didn't think NC State played assignment football very well. I didn't think that they played very disciplined. Um, and that you just can't do that. You can't do that against a, a, a good opponent and, and they, uh, especially on the road where you know that you're not going to benefit from, from, you know, uh, generous refereeing. Uh, and that is just that that's, I think the story of the game, NC state was not prepared in the way that they needed to be. Um, Dave Doran did not, did not get it done here and, and Tim Beck didn't get it done. And, uh, Tony Gibson didn't get it done. I, I didn't like their game plan. I just, I didn't, uh, I didn't think that they had it here. They, they 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 did not come into this game and and inspire a lot of confidence. They were just not just not there individually or or on the uh, the the macro. 
And, and look, we, we are holding ourselves accountable on this. It's it's on us. Like not we, me. We had I'm, I'm not accountable for this. I've done nothing wrong. If they had followed my game plan, they would have won by 30. That's what I said. No, Patrick, Patrick, <laughs> that is not that is not a real fan's mindset. If you and I had posted harder and yelled more at Dave Doran uh-huh. and Tim Beck and Tony Gibson, they would have got this figured out. It's on us. We had yeah. to be louder. Iron sharpens iron. Uh, Nebraska 35, Indiana 21. Um, come on. It, it, it has come home to roost. <laughs> I think it has, it has come home to roost a little bit. Uh, you were losing by two touchdowns to a Mickey Joseph football team. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, this is a Mickey team. Literally, they are. <laughs> you have lost to a Mickey team. Um, yeah, it's uh, boy. The in, Indiana wheels have fallen off here. Wheels were never really on in the first place. <laughs> I don't think just sort of cars scooting down the road on, on four axles and nothing was there to stop it until uh until something was there to stop it um it's bad it's bad at indiana i don't know really what they even do here because i i did some some tom allen buyout math uh yesterday on the or two days ago or something like that on the midfield boards and they're gonna owe that man like 25 million dollars if they fire him this season uh which is they should do because money is not real and they have the money but I don't know that they're going to. Um, just listless, listless from from Indiana, rudderless. I don't see a path forward for them. I don't really see what the idea behind this team, currently as it is constructed, is. I don't know what the goal is. It doesn't seem like they have any kind of direction. Um, they're bad. They're they're bad in a lot of ways. I hope they get a little bravery uh, from Wisconsin. I hope, I hope Wisconsin's bravery shows the path forward. Yeah. Uh, Georgia Tech will finish out here with uh, maybe the most bizarre result of the week. I don't really even The know. most embarrassing loss. Like, <laughs> look, Pitt, Pitt to loves to lose terrible football games. This, this is the worst one in a long time. This is worse than losing to Western Michigan last year. Georgia Tech 26, Pitt 21. Georgia Tech fresh off firing its head coach. Really, really bad football team. Comes in with a 29% success rate on offense and beats Pitt in a game that was not this close. Pitt scored at the end of the game to make it a, a one-score game. It was 26-14. Um, Jesus Christ. That's horrible. This is not with a backup quarterback. Keaton Slovis played in this game. Like, this... Good God. How do you even do it's, this? It's indefensible. It's, like, truly... It's just what Narduzzi teams do, though. Like, it's so baffling that he will just... Like he won a conference championship at Pitt, first coach to do it in like 35 years or whatever it's been. Yeah. And then also will just lose to Georgia Tech and Youngstown State and Western Michigan for no goddamn reason. Just like because his teams show up flat and prepared because yeah. he's ultimately a pretty like he's a pretty lackadaisical coach. He's not a really detailed like I don't understand how it works for him. I don't like him. Yeah. The the maybe this is uh I, I, I know that it will be welcomed with uh with open arms here on this program, I think nationally it would not be considered reasonable to say, but like, I, I think it, I think it's totally reasonable to, to, to think this Pat Narduzzi should be fired for what he did this off season for, for what he did after that conference championship game for how he looked at that and made the incredibly selfish decision to go away from what they were doing on offense, to go back to something that he's more comfortable with after his, his ideology, his offensive thinking, the way that he thinks a program should be built was rebuked by his own team 
just basically usurping him and forcing him into having a competent offense. And this offseason, he hated that so much last year. He hated having his first ever good team that he got rid of everything that could have even been kind of related to that and has gone right back to having an offense that scores 14 fucking points against Georgia Tech before the last 20 seconds. It's it's pathetic. It is immediately deserving of, of firing. You should not... They should have fired him before the fucking season started. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. It's embarrassing. Frank Signetti is, is probably the single worst OC in college football. Yeah, can yeah. we say that safely? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible, it's, and and like it's not the first time Pat's done it. That's like what's yeah. also worth pointing out too. Is like, I uh, say which one about Matt Canada as a, as a pro OC. He's obviously terrible at that. Yeah, but was a very good college OC for Pitt. Like he, he's the reason Pat had his first ever bowl appearance at Pitt. Right, yeah. like. Uh, uh, and he ran him out of town too because he didn't like him personally. And disagree with his like system. Like Pat is just a vindictive like little weirdo who wants to run guys out of town. They don't like are there yes men to his ideas. And, yeah. and like that's what he did with Mark Whipple. That's what he did with uh, uh with Matt Canada. He he like he is the personality problem here, not other people. Yeah, Pat Narduzzi is nowhere near a good enough coach to justify what he does. There's nowhere near good enough to for for it to be excusable, for it to be acceptable that he is he this much so of an asshole, this year. this this disastrous to work for. Um, absolutely, he is nowhere near good enough. This is not yeah. a this is not an Urban Meyer situation where it's like, well, he's an asshole, but he's a, he's our asshole, and he wins twelve games every regular season. Like Pat Narduzzi's default is six and six. I think he's probably going to go six and six this year or something close to it. Um, he is nowhere near good enough to justify keeping around if he's going to act like this. It, it is not. It's not acceptable. It's completely not acceptable. He sucks. I can't stand him. It's yeah. so embarrassing. That's that's all I have to say. Yeah. All right. Uh, we will. Uh, for for those of you who who cannot get enough, we will talk to you on the premium show um, either later as we as we release this Monday morning, either later tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, we will we will see uh, regarding that. But talking about the Wisconsin job opening, talking about the Colorado job opening, possibly talking about a third job opening that is not made public yet. Yours. Are, yeah. Mine that we are keeping an eye on. Uh, we're going to monitor the situation in, uh, in regards to that potential vacancy. Um, if you want that again, meet at midfield.com subscribe for 1299 a month, gets you a whole bunch of stuff beyond just the premium podcast, but it also gets you the premium podcast, uh, so for those of you who are subscribed or who have, uh, since hearing my, my wonderful ad, have chosen to subscribe, uh, we will chat with you all then. For those of you who are stealing from us, who are, who are uh, taking food out of, our, out of our children's mouths, who are robbing us blind, who are the, uh, the haters and losers, we will talk to you all on Thursday.